Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, with an unexpected pre-show announcement. So something happened with this episode that has never happened to me in all the uh, eons that I've been podcasting, and that is we lost the first couple of minutes of the episode. And at one point, we thought we had lost the whole episode, which caused immense panic, uh, but Jeff worked tirelessly to salvage it. So uh, everything except the first couple minutes is here, which is a relief because I really, really enjoyed talking to Mike Carano and the idea that you guys might not get to hear that episode. Although I thought, you know, the good news is I'd get to spend another chunk of time with Mike Carano, but still, I was pretty bummed about that. So I'm happy that uh, it all worked out. So shortly, you will hear a conversation that is already in progress when you hear it. Um, but I think you'll be able to jump right in. So if if you are unfamiliar, Mike Carano is one of the hosts of the After Disaster podcast, also miscellaneous adventures from the world of Mike Carano. He's also a photographer, and he makes videos, and he's a man about town and all around. Really interesting guy. And here's the episode. I don't feel comfortable at all talking to people in movie theaters that are on their phone, but I will say something. Mm-hmm. How come? Because... They're rude, self-centered people, and that's my biggest pet peeve, mm. is people that are just disregard everybody around them. And they're going to sit there and look at their emails during a movie, and they're disrupting a 20-foot radius. Yeah. You know, or, or mostly driving, where people are just so selfish. You know, I'm going to sit in both lanes, because I don't know if I want to go straight or make a right yet, and nobody, nobody behind me can go, and you're just like, Ugh. Oh, that and sometimes I've snapped nuts. at people and said horrible, horrible stuff that I truly regret, because it's not true. You know, I don't, I don't want to call anybody the C word or tell them I wish they were dead. Have you said that to people's faces? Oh yeah. In so, like strangers? Okay, or? sort of. Yes. Okay. I, I've definitely said stuff while I'm recording things to people and they hear me and I just keep going because mm-hmm. there's like a protection when I'm holding my phone up to my head. But I've also said stuff that's flat out embarrassing where some woman did a horrible maneuver on the street and I yelled out, nice decision making. And I was like, that's pathetic and sad. <laughs> And I thought it made me seem smarter. I'm like, nice decision making. (laughs) That didn't affect her. (laughs) That is hilarious. Um, Well, when you do have a confrontation with a stranger, does are you? Does it just come out, or are you very nervous to engage? If I think about it, I'll never do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be confrontational, and I don't want to be mean, and I don't want to be bitter, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want any of that stuff. But it's it's hard. It's hard to get over your natural what's going on. Yeah. And, and guess what? Most of my negative reactions are clearly due to something else. It's what not. Think, what do you think they're due to? Just mental problem, you know, being angry and having anxiety mm-hmm. and, and whatever else. And then you take it out on other people because it's really not that big of a deal. However, I have done a switcheroo because I used to have a lot of road rage and then I got that completely calmed down. How? I just started driving slower and just started going, it's no big deal. And then I realized it is a big deal Mm because life is short. I'm going to die soon. And this person's slowing me down Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to do something (laughs) and they're out for a Sunday drive and they're just going 30 miles an hour in a 45 zone. And I'm trying to accomplish that. I'm trying to get something, even though I'm really failing at accomplishing, I'm just spinning my wheels and wasting time, you know, but who wants to know the truth? The Mm -hmm. fact is I think I'm accomplishing something and I'm trying to get somewhere so I can move on to the next, the next thing, the next place. And this person is just lolly da da da. So and I'm what, also convinced everybody is hyper intelligent and they're very aware of their surroundings. And I'm starting to think that might not be true at I all. I don't think that's true. I hope it's not true. I Otherwise, everyone's is. an asshole. Yeah. No, no. I think 
generally people are oblivious and just thinking about their own shit. I hope so. I hope that's the case because I'd hate to think that everyone really has it in for all of us when they're driving. (laughs) Well, sometimes I'm like, that guy's clearly slowing us all down because he's angry. Right. Right. You know, he doesn't have somewhere to be. And so he's just driving around slowing people down, which I had this idea like 15 years ago before the internet was, before there were live webcams. I, I was like, I have the greatest idea. No, right when you could do remote live video at a reasonable cost i was like i'm gonna get a hummer and i'm gonna put cameras on all four corners and just drive like 10 miles an hour everywhere so you can tune in like primitive google earth just keep the hummer going 24 7 (laughs) and you can tune in and watch people get angry (laughs) but that's that's a very negative idea right or do you guys want in i mean are you are you still thinking of doing it no because there's something i think what i've gotten with age is wisdom and Things that I thought were funny at one point in time, I realized there's, well, there's consequences and I don't want somebody to drive off the road or ram into the back of my Hummer or hurt themselves because I'm trying to be funny. It's like when you're a kid, it's like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to steal a stop sign. And then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute, do I really want to be sitting in my room looking at my new stop sign and hear, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, yes, like I, I trespass a lot to make stupid videos and Mm -hmm. it's not a lot. Like, do you scale fences and things? Sort of. What level of trespassery are we talking about? Not that big. But okay. for me, for a, a guy, an adult who's supposed to be responsible, mm-hmm. it's definitely like something a 16-year-old would do. Are you a fairly rule-abiding person? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Besides selling drugs and running a prostitution ring. Yeah, but no, I'm talking about like real crime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no check fraud here. Right. So you trespass, you're saying? Yeah. I, I think I was trying to tie into, I I do it because I don't think, I think the consequences only fall on me and somebody else isn't going to get hurt. But then sometimes, because I'm just trying to do, trying to, like if I see a cool house or something that's boarded up, I definitely try to get in mm-hmm. or try to get close to it. And sometimes I'm doing it and I'm like, this, what am, what, how embarrassing is this going to be when a sheriff rolls up on me? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I was trying to take a picture of that house. And he's like, there's no trespassing. Yeah, I, I just disregarded that completely because I... Because I'm, it's all about me, and I the rules don't apply. What's the worst thing, or the thing you feel the most guilt or uneasiness about that you've ever done? Okay, in, in I don't want to be vague, but it's a big mental problem that I'm working on. I'm truly working on, but I dwell mm-hmm. on everything, and sometimes I'll lie in bed and I'll think of something I did that was rude to somebody 15 years ago and it screws me up for an hour. I, I remember once I worked on a TV show at Television City and my girlfriend was coming to the show and she was proud and she came with a friend of hers and I ignored her 100% to walk Jerry Seinfeld in. <laughs> and she told me that really hurt my feelings. She totally ignored us and I was trying to show off and, and I was like, hmm. and so that was probably 20 years ago maybe. Mm-hmm. I still think about that and it still bothers me and I still feel... I still feel bad. I, I feel like I should have been more thoughtful and I should have, it, it, it eats away at me. Mm-hmm. You, any, any, you can think anything, you can screw your brain up by thinking or overthinking anything. Cause I, I was, I swear this is true. I laid in bed one night a few years ago and I just decided, what would it be like if my girlfriend broke up with me? <laughs> and I put myself in the mental spot where she broke up with me and it definitely hurt the relationship. Because I was angry at her and I was hurt and some of the love went away and she didn't do anything. And I also would lay in bed and go, what if I walked in 
to the improv and I tripped and hit my mouth on the metal railing and broke all my teeth out. Oh, I have those kind of Yeah, and then I'm just time. laying in bed like, oh God, what am I going to do? Well, let me ask this question though, not to, uh, to play devil's advocate though, but regarding the relationship where you thought, I'm going to put myself in the mental space where we broke up, yeah. do you think maybe that that mental exercise was brought on because maybe you were sensing friction in the relationship? Possibly. Possibly, but it was still completely conjured in my own head. And I, I, I understand psychotic people to an extent because I could see, okay, frankly, I haven't, I haven't killed anybody. Yeah. But I've driven like a maniac. I've gotten into fights on the road with people. Mm-hmm. And, and th- I'm making this sound like I'm this crazy idiot. It's just like this inner anxiety and, and some anger sometimes that comes out. And I think, okay, I'm a, I'm a responsible adult person that drives carefully. I keep my eyes on the road. I, look, I, I try to be as thoughtful as possible. And I've almost killed a bunch of people. So why, aren't, why, isn't, why isn't there a fight on the street every day and we just mm-hmm. drive around it? Because we're like, oh, I understand. Because right. I like to think I'm smarter than some other people. Not everybody, but I'm like, okay, by and large, I have more logic than that woman who's got her dog on her lap and she's looking at her phone at the same time. Mm. And I'm taking a picture of it to post on Twitter. <laughs> but so I, also I'm a colossal hypocrite. Let me give you that. I have no lessons. Um, uh-oh. 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 What's happening? It was right in, the question was right in there. Was and it I another psychological just, introspect? Yes, it was. About, it was, when you were a kid, were you responsible for someone's emotions? No. Hmm. No. What, what was your childhood like? Uh, my parents got divorced when we were young. It was always a fight. My mom is Where did you uh, grow up? born in Tucson, grew up in San Diego, except for a few years where we lived in a cult in Lake Elsinore. And my mom is very, uh, very mentally ill. Okay. And it's to this day. And um, she would put us in really ridiculous situations. Well, I just packed up all our kids and made us move into a cult. And we lived in one room for a year. And then we had two rooms to split between five people for another year until my dad got us out of there. What kind of cult was this? Was it was this like a, a Christian commune on a military base. Mm-hmm. And it was just this, okay, we live here now. And I'm sure I'm exaggerating, but I don't remember seeing my mom at all. How old were you? I think i was 10 was there weird sex going on we didn't see it we didn't experience it okay. and i think about that like if we were a little older of course there would have been well at least between the kids because there were like 50 kids there that didn't want to be there that were mm-hmm. reluctantly moved there by their parents and if if i was a little older of course i would have been doing drugs and having sex like i imagine that was probably happening right was but the corano dorks were just they were gonna skateboard on the tennis courts was religion being crammed down your throat? Yeah. Did yeah. you did you do you feel like you got brainwashed at all? Uh yes. In and what I got way? brainwashed well, I'd like to think of myself as a person with his own opinion that can make up his own mind, but apparently I'm a big gullible sucker because there were times where the big the head of the church would go, Hey, hop in the van, we're gonna go soul saving and talk to people about Jesus and I'd be like, Okay, I'm you going. were ten. Yeah, but I remember you know, I vividly remember standing in a parking lot going, can I talk to you about Jesus? And somebody going, yeah, talk to me. And I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about Jesus. <laughs> Never even read a, one page of my Bible. And it was just, I, that's when I realized, oh my God, what am I doing? Like I am a, but I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm, I am a, absolutely to be taken advantage of. I don't, I don't want to believe that. And I'll tell you when I was, this, this sticks in my mind all the time. And I have to constantly remind myself of this. I saw an ad in a magazine. I was probably nine or 10 years old and it was for BMW and it was a BMW perched on a scale 
to show you that it had equal weight on all four wheels. Mm -hmm. To this day, I still go, my car sucks because it doesn't have equal. I I know it doesn't have equal weight on all four wheels. And I need to get a BMW. I don't want a BMW, but I need equal weight on all four wheels for some reason because of that ad. That ad really got to you. Every Everything does. Okay. Everything does. If you could, it, it's not even to be funny, but if you could see how overwhelmed I become, God, I'm making myself sound like a... Honestly, I'm... That's right, ladies. Honestly, <laughs> I am relating so strongly to so much of what you're saying, and I'm wondering if the listeners are as well, or if upon hearing me say that, they're like, oh, wow. Well, I didn't realize that about Allison, <laughs> but I think what you're saying, especially for my listeners who I think are are very into all this psychological stuff and yeah. and just sort of on the same wavelength, I think a lot of people will be really, I think you're just being very honest about stuff that but, a lot well, of people deal with. The things I'm, I want to get over, I want to be able to make decisions quicker and oh, I want to be able to make the right yes. decision. And the, the example that comes up because it's been recorded a bunch of times and it's not a joke. But when, if I go shopping for something like sunscreen, I will pr- promise you it's 20 minutes and I, and I feel like I want to cry because I'm like, which one do I get? Helioplex? Do I get the 55 or 75? Is there a difference? What if I'm I get 25? Yeah. with nope. yes. Yeah. It what about shampoo? Like days to order a Sonicare toothbrush online because yeah. yes. there's so many options. <laughs> yes. If yes. I go to buy a notebook... First, I think I'll get that color. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm someone who would get that color. I definitely would never get that color. Maybe I want to be the person who would get that. And I go nuts. Finally, I've started just going with my gut impulse. And I remember at first, I think it was Dr. Drew who said some, like, like Dr. Drew and a therapist, like, like three different people said essentially the same thing. Like, pay attention to your energy. What makes you light up? And I'm like, nothing makes me light up. And then I think it was Drew who's like, something like you're just not you're not in touch with it because i think that before i begin overthinking it there is i do have an initial response to something and then it's and even if it's like slight and then i start overthinking so i'm really with decisions that that for all intents and purposes don't matter i'm really getting better at just making a flash decision that's great but it's hard it's very difficult and okay for example let's say hypothetically Let's say you were making a movie or something. <laughs> Would you ever finish it? Because I won't finish anything unless there's a deadline. Yeah, I, I kind of need deadlines. Yeah, I, it'll never be finished. Because you're a perfectionist, or because you will go. What will you do? It, it's part part of it's that, but part part of it's also I, this could be better, mm-hmm. and it just will it will never end until I have a deadline. And people that I work for know that, and it's always like this has to be Tuesday, and I'm like, all right, and then it's done, and I'm. On to the next thing? Or sort of. still thinking about it? Yeah, of course. Of course I still think about it. Are you... This is, a, this is really a sweeping question, but I wonder if you have the same, the same kind of anxiety. I know you do, obviously, but do you... Are you ha- a happy person or are you constantly searching? It's funny you ask that because in the last handful of years, I've had to rethink my idea about myself because I think of myself as like a a generally contented, happy person. And then I think about it. I'm like, I was like that in college, but I don't think I've have been like that ever since. I, I don't think I'm someone who, let's say, take, I take- want to say I'm not someone who suffers from, who's like, has a depressive personality. And yet I definitely, there are stretches where I feel depressed. Yeah. So like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm fine, but I'm not a happy. 
But do you person. feel like once you achieved something that that would bring you happiness? Because as much as I know that's not true, I still feel that oh, all I the time. I always think I'm that. like, oh, once I had this, yeah. things are going to be fine. And I know it's not true. Right. But I, st- I know it, but I refuse to acknowledge it and I f- refuse to accept it, which is most things. Mm-hmm. Was there a time in your life that you were happy or more, more consistently yes. happy? There's definitely been, s- there's been spurts where I was happy and it was, you know, like getting a job that I liked, which, you know, the first six months I was like, this is fantastic. And then which all of a sudden you're like, that? there's been a bunch of things, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I worked at the improv and then I became the general manager of that club. And that was about six or six months or a year where I was the boss of everything. And I was like, this is great. And then you realize, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this with my life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do this. But it was a great experience. And I've had the same experience on other things like shows and stuff that I've worked on. And then you realize this isn't it either. Like, what what is it? Is there right. nothing that's going to bring? Because I want to be one of those people. If I could change, well, there's like 50 things. I don't want to say one thing. <laughs> First thing I go with self-confidence. But I would like to be one of those people. You hear people say, I don't work because... You know, people say they love their job so much it's not work. Right. Like, what is well, that? Well, you're in the flow. You're just chasing your passion. But what is that? Like, who who <laughs> really – and how lucky is that where you go to work and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to work? I'm not sure I buy it. I think you can have stretches. But the bottom line is whenever you're paid for something, it becomes a job. Yeah. But it's also – a lot of times it feels like you're wasting precious time and you're spinning your wheels because mm-hmm. I all I do my job. You know, in the the majority of my job is taking photos and printing photos. And a lot of times I'm like, why am I still doing this? Like, this is, this is just... I'm does just, it not bring you enjoyment? Not anymore. It does when it's a personal thing or when it's something I'm, I'm passionate. If it's someone or something I'm, I'm into, but by and large, it's just a job and it's not fun and it's, it should be fun. Well, okay, let me backstep. It's 10,000 times more fun than sitting in a cubicle having some guy with a crochet tie yell at me yeah. about not meeting my insurance sales quota or something like that. It's 10, uh, it's, you know, everything's perspective though, too. Everything really is perspective if you, mm-hmm. if you, which is weird to think how powerful your mind is because yeah. someone will kill themselves because their girlfriend dumped them and then somebody else has their whole family die in a house fire. Okay. These are two bad, bad examples. Sorry. <laughs> But you know what I mean? And, they, and they're overjoyed. Tr- <laughs> and they're finally <laughs> achieved happiness. But I mean, some, you know, the, you yeah. look at, you look, which, which makes me more sensitive to people and, and more accepting that you look at somebody and you go, okay, whatever pain he's going through, you want to, you want to say, just get over it, you know, mm-hmm. stop it. But then you realize, oh, you, I don't know what his pain, I don't know her her pain is right. because it could, it could really be something serious that's. The breakup or this or that is... And everything is always compounding or is always yeah. like resonating with something else, Yeah, I think, yeah. you know. I feel like most, like a huge portion of our reactions have a little bit to do with what happened and a lot to do with what what it brings up. Yes, what's inside. Yeah. Isn't that... And, and you know what's even weirder is we as human beings don't... We act like we want help and we want advice, but we don't do it. Mm. Because I've stood in self-help book aisles and just stared at everything... And I've I've bought a bunch of self help books on on audio recordings and stuff like that. And I I, I was talking to Doctor Drew about it, and I go, the the this, the help I need is retaining the information and putting it into effect. And he's like, it just doesn't work. Like, he said it just the, doesn't work. Does yeah. he only believe in therapy? He's very black and white. Yeah, and I don't buy it completely. You know what I mean? But he said the only way it works is one on one, which I guess would be therapy. Yeah, like human interaction compared to. Because I'll read stuff in books and I'm like, that's fantastic information. I need to incorporate that. And then I, okay, this is the best, best example. I go to a funeral every time. 
I go, that's it. From here on out, I live each day to the fullest. I'm mm. going to tell people I love them when I love them. I'm going to enjoy every single day. Ten minutes later, I'm in traffic going, I wish these fucking people would, were all dead. I wish it was their funeral. Yeah. So I just forgot this revelation I had 15 or 20 minutes earlier where I now I'm a new person. My Corano nice guy. I'm going to tell people I love them. And then 100% gone because I'm in gridlock. It's hard to stay in that... Um truly grateful appreciating every yes. moment mindset yeah. i don't think it's the natural one i think it's grief does it to you yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. there there are yeah. wonderful things that can do it to you too but grief can do it but um i don't know i just think the more obviously it'd be better if we weren't all uh tiny people uh since we're capable of so much more but i just think the more natural way to be is to be affected by little things and to, it's hard to keep that huge perspective i don't know yes i don't know if it helps or hurts to to constantly be thinking about life and death it definitely hurts (laughs) (laughs) well i think dwelling on death is pretty positive well what i mean though is if you constantly have it in your head that this is transient then maybe you wouldn't get bent out of shape over the little things true but but it's also hard to like maneuver within your life if you have that huge big picture thing because who because what does anything matter anyway i I feel that all the time i think that's the overwhelming weight and i think that's a sincere cause of serious depression because go pull an 18 year old off the street and go what do you know about shakespeare what do you know about einstein what do you and and they're like nothing (laughs) okay so if they mean nothing what am i gonna mean because i'm an idiot Uh, you know (laughs) what i mean what is this purpose Uh and and I and maybe the purpose is just live and just go, and and maybe there's no purpose, and maybe I'm trying to find a purpose and something. There's no purpose. Like do, your dog's not freaking out right now, going, "What's my purpose here?" Mm-hmm. Or no, she tries to to create meaning in her own life in her own <laughs> way. <laughs> She's very. Interesting. By the way, one of my favorite things is is putting human emotions in dogs, and I'd like to laugh Same. at it, but I do it constantly. I'm like constantly. I dog sit my ex-girlfriend's dog like two or three times a year and it's one of the most stressful weeks of my entire life because I feel like the dog needs and it gets 100% of my attention. Mm-hmm. I go to work very infrequently. I take her with me everywhere in a backpack, everywhere, every Aww. restaurant, everywhere I go and I constantly pay attention to the dog thinking, okay, well, one night I was going out to dinner with Dr. Drew and he came over and I said, we need to drive to Santa Monica and drop off the dog and he went, okay, I'll drive and then he went, why are we doing this? And I went, I, I think she'll feel more comfortable at her own <laughs> place. And he went, fuck that. And I was panicked. Like, yeah. And it, I enjoyed myself. But when I, was, when I got home, it was a rush to get inside. And the dog was fine. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You're fine. I can, to- I can totally, totally relate Which, to that. Well, what I'm... S- go ahead. The kid thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's why a kid would freak me out. Well, no, that's not why. <laughs> it's one of the reasons. It's a million reasons. Yeah. But the... I want a dog, and I, I started thinking a dog would make me happy, but then mm-hmm. I realized what a, how much of a tie-down it's going to be to my freewheeling gypsy lifestyle where I just take off and go on road trips anytime I feel like it. Just go places that allow dogs. Yeah. I, well, I've actually... Ha- I have, well, I have a lot of plans. <laughs> like, you know, like you have these ideas, like if I could do anything, what I would really do. Right. And I've sort of done that in the past. Like I decided I was going to decorate my place how I want to decorate it, and I did. It was fun for a while. Did that bring you any happiness? Because one of my constant things is like, if I could decorate this differently and declutter, I'd be happier. I I believe that too, because there was a point where I was lying in bed and I probably had a hundred things staring at me, literally staring at me, Mm -hmm. like toys and stuff. 
And I was like, I just want this to be simple now. I just want a bed and a, a lamp and <laughs> I just want it to be quiet and, and calm. But right. Well, you know, like I have this fantasy, like if money was no object, I'd have everything. I'd have an upside down room. I'd have all everything I want, you know, just ha ha ha. Oh, look the at that. dream of an upside down room. <laughs> you don't want to, you will think, okay. How, how would the bed work? No, you don't. It's just for for your guests to look at. Oh, okay. you just go check it out. Upside down room, and everything's on the ceiling. Oh, that is cool. But I'm into I it. I would also like to have a really cool like motorhome, mm-hmm. so my dog can stay in there while I'm doing other stuff. Like we just drive around, and nice. it's got air conditioning that will come on automatically, and the dog's always in there. And that way, I don't just I don't have, I don't feel like I'm abandoning my dog. What kind of dog would you get if you got a dog? Like a dog your size. She is twenty pounds. So yeah, I'm going to go 18 to 20. Yeah. Small. Um, I, none of my business, but I kind of think maybe getting a dog would be good for you because you spend, uh, it sounds like, and I relate to this a lot, a ton of time in your head and it would pull you outside yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I will one of these days. Sometime I will. So here's my question. Listening to you talk, I'm just getting the sense that you tell me if this is right. A big thing with you is not disappointing people. Absolutely. Where yeah. do you think that comes from? Probably, it's probably built genetics from, for, you know, because my dad has not disappointed people to such an extent that it's infuriating at times to us, and, you know, because he is definitely a people-pleasing type of person. He's a very good guy, but it, it, he's done stuff that's so far beyond, like, what's normal. Like what? Well, my dad owns a pawn shop, and he has since the 60s, and without exaggeration probably 50 times in in our childhood our friends would come in like oh i'm looking for speakers i'm looking for this my dad just gave it to him never charged <laughs> has never charged anybody he gives guitars away he gives everything away yeah. i was at a dinner party once and a girl goes we were talking about where we grew up and i said i grew up in pacific beach and she goes do you know tony and i go tony and she goes that owns the pawn shop and i went it's my dad and she goes your dad used to give me 20 dollars every single week i would just come down there and go tony i don't have any money and he just hand me a 20 i was like <laughs> thanks like, but it's, he's, wow. it's nice, but it's definitely, definitely people pleasing. Yeah. And, and I know, I know plenty of people hate me. I'm, I'm aware of that. I get it. I mean, I, I literally get it. I get the messages <laughs> <laughs> like literally, but, but, uh, i definitely would rather have everybody like me sure. and I know that's not going to happen. And, and, but in reality, you don't want everyone to like you because that means you're just a dud. Like if everybody likes you. It means you have probably no distinctive personality. Yeah, yeah. Then you have to get like a lowered Civic with a giant muffler to bring back that personality. I don't know. <laughs> right, you've got to overcompensate in some way. Yeah. Do you believe that overcompensation stuff? Because uh, sure. here's, here's, so. here's why I don't believe it. We all see a big truck, big four-wheel drive truck with giant tires and we think, oh, a tiny penis. But have you ever been in a big four-wheel drive truck? It's pretty fun. Okay. It's pretty goddamn amazing. And people are like, oh, midlife crisis, Corvette, Ferrari guy. You ever driven one? It's pretty friggin' amazing. So. So you don't think it has anything to do with it might It might have something to do with it, but there's, thing, there's things that are of quality. People go, oh, douches drive Porsches. Well, people yeah. who like to drive drive Porsches. They're, they're, they're incredible to drive. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as hopping in a Subaru Outback, which is what I drive. Cause I was about to say, you're walking on thin ice, Karan. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, I already mentioned up front, I'm a huge hypocrite, and, and I'm, I'm also full of n- well, no, just misinformation. That, that, that's and, what I drive. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I like the Outback. 
I bought, good save. Can I tell you when I bought car. that car, what a what a tragic day it was? Like I knew I needed a car now. And I started in Orange County and worked my way through every single Subaru dealership. And I I have this weird thing. Like I don't I'm not religious at all, but I feel like there's some kind of spirituality to it. So if I get a bad connection, I walk right out. And the minute some guy would walk up to me and I just got a bad vibe, I'm like, I gotta go. I think that's good. That's good to pay more attention to vibes. So, and I'm going to wrap that. I'm not going to keep talking about this the whole time, but I just, now I need to get this off my chest. When I bought that car, okay, this is kind of a midlife crisis thing. I'm like, fuck this. I want something fun. I'm buying, sorry for the profanity, but I know you've you've used profanity. (laughs) Totally fucking fine. I'm just sorry because I'm trying to come across as a guy that doesn't use it because I have a huge kid following. (laughs) The Same. (laughs) Do you really? Um, actually I do have some young me too. listeners. Me too. Cause people, yeah. someone, people send me like pictures of their like five year old sitting with a sign and I'm like, Oh, I don't what are you t- Why are you doing this? <laughs> I like it. And, and despite the fact we still play this all the time. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Sing songy. The mom's like, they're saying fork. <laughs> yeah. So okay. the Subaru dealership you're saying. I feel like I've told, Oh, I have told the story before. Ah, oh, bummer. That's okay. okay uh, so the last Subaru dealership I ended at was less than a half a mile from where I live. Should have started there. <laughs> and I was having a genuine and most sincere panic attack by mm-hmm. that point. It's like four in the afternoon and I was like shaky and I was had a stomach ache and I'm like, I have to, I told myself I'm buying this car today. I'm doing this now. And I walked in and my salesman was a very uncomfortable gay guy. Mm. Very uncomfortable. And then it was made more uncomfortable by me going, what's the deal with Subarus and gay people? <laughs> and, and then he said, it's not gay people, it's lesbians. We like BMWs. And I was like, okay, we got that cleared up. And I didn't know if we bonded now or not, or if now right. we're enemies. Right. And I I sat down with him and did the negotiation on the WRX for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. The paperwork was out. And then I went, you know what? I changed my mind. I want a Forester. And he goes, you know, that's the opposite. And I'm like, low key, no tickets, Forester. Invisible on the road. That's what I want. And he went, you got to, we got to talk about it. He goes, you want to think about this? I'm like, nope. I want the Forester. And then a minute later, I went, I'm really sorry. Outback. I do shit like that all the time. And he goes, well, let's time. go drive it. I went, I don't want to drive it. And not only that, I don't know how to negotiate. So I just sat in the car with the guy and he goes, let's go over the price. And I went, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having an anxiety attack. I don't want to go over the price. I just want to know that I don't want to find out like in six months that you fucked me over. <laughs> that's all i want and i go so whatever it is it is and i wow. think i got a pretty good price and that was it that's a crazy story but but that that was a genuine entrant uh, and very sincere and organic anxiety ridden driven purchase yeah because i couldn't go in there and plan that mm-hmm. i like that car so it all worked out to an extent Sort of. You didn't because now I want the WRX. <laughs> oh, the one that you were first going for. I've had that car for fourteen months. It's got fifty-two thousand miles on it. How do you feel about Movember, or is it Movember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it the, a mustache-related thing. Yes, it is. Where for the month of November, men grow uh, mustaches or facial hair to raise awareness and money for men's health issues. But basically, I'm hung, hung up on whether it's Movember, like. November or Movember, I must be Movember. I'd like to see how that trickles down to actually raising money. 
Okay. Is it when everybody asks you why you're growing that creepy mustache, you have to go like, give me some money? I mean, it's just to raise awareness. But here's where this is headed. And I should have made that a little clear, more clear before. Whether or not you do Movember, you should check out Harry's, the official razor partner of Movember. Do you know Harry's.com? Yes, I do. They and are awesome. If if I uh, felt more comfortable shaving, I would absolutely go through Harry's. And I think I did buy stuff from Harry's from another podcast at one point in time. And it was mm-hmm. fast and it was good. Yes. And shipping is free. Uh, it started by two guys who are passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men uh, and women, by the way. Women need to shave as well. Harry's delivers a superior shave. Um, I actually bought my husband and my brother-in-law Harry's shave kits years before they were sponsors on my podcast. That's when good. they came on, I was like, oh, awesome. I'm already very familiar with the product. Um so Harry's bought a blade factory in Germany that has been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for nearly a century. And then what they do, like so many awesome companies are doing now, is they just cut out the middleman and they offer you an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of drugstore brands. So Harry's starter set is an amazing deal with my code Allison. You can just get it for $10 and the set includes a razor handle, three blade cartridges, and your choice of shaving cream or foaming shave gel delivered to your door. Again, shipping is free. Go to harrys.com now, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in our code Allison with your first purchase. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the coupon code Allison at checkout for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today. Razors are so ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I shave very infrequently, and normally I just take like the, the one that makes the noise. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I do this, you guys. It's so weird that I just did that. What a hypocrite I am because I was making fun of a guy at the Subaru dealership just three days ago who was like going, my car's going like this. And I'm like, are you a man? <laughs> my tire's going flop, 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 flop. And it seems to be riding lower. What is that? But razors are, are every time I buy razors, I'm like, what the hell? Like what? What purchase am I making in a, in a drugstore that's thirty bucks? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you guys for like, right? Are you with yes, me? Yes, I'm with you. The other thing that happens in a supermarket, it, it needed to be said. The other thing that happens in a supermarket is occasionally I will have to buy antihistamines or something, yes, and yeah. then or or yeah, just anything in the drugstore aisle, which is usually where the razors are. Yes. and then suddenly it's like forty dollars later. If you uh, if you're addicted to antihistamines, don't ask me who has this fucking problem. But <laughs> I, okay, this is ridiculous. Okay, you know those little pink ones? Oh, I forgot what they're called. Allegra. No. Benadryl. Benadryl. Yes. So occasionally they can help you sleep. Not addicted over here. Well, either way, <laughs> I don't know what they do besides make you super super sleepy. But I they, I imagine if you have like allergies, which I believe I have right now, courtesy of the wind outside. Yeah. Or else I'm bringing a deadly contagious disease in here. No, I think it's allergy season. So those things, and you buy them at the, at the drugstore, they come in those crazy packages, mm-hmm. 12 or 18 or 24. Costco has, I know it's a joke, Costco, Costco has a jar of like 700 of those things. For how much? I don't know, but I, I, who, who buys that oh, many of those saying. pink pills? And they're Costco yeah. brand, but it's, it's, it's honestly that big. And it's filled. It's 500 or 700. I'm like, who whips through those things? Yes. Yeah. Right. Who were you? Like, that's for dispensing them to a bunch of children you need to get to sleep or something. That sounded Mm. really creepy and weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. 
There's something nefarious about that giant tub yeah. of Benadryl. Especially, oh no, it's not Benadryl that you make crystal meth out of. It's like a, some sort Yeah, yeah, Sudafed. Also weird that, no, I feel like everyone knows that. Which, it's, by the way, is great, great high if you like being sketchy. You know, I never realized until recently that Sudafed uh, gives you a little bit of a, like an upper buzz. Yeah. It's yeah. speedy. I don't know that. I don't. I don't think I felt any speedy effects when I took it many, many years ago. But maybe because I just took the recommended dose. Yeah, I don't. And plus, it doesn't seem like that stuff cancels itself out. Does or well. I mean, if you is is one is two really going to affect you more than one? No. I. You know what? I'm sorry. I said that. I'm totally wrong because sometimes if I on a very rare occasion if I have a severe if I have a migraine or something I'll take eight Advil mm. and it works. Yes. That is something I've learned lately. Yeah. Well, you learn it by going to the hospital when they give you one that's like a thousand milligrams. You're like, okay, that's five of them. I, I just learned it by thinking, you know, I'm going to keep taking this to <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> Be very careful when you decide to do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just going to keep taking. This yeah, until that's <laughs> don't do, definitely don't do that with a lot of drugs. Aspirin being one of them, any of them. All I'm saying is. Uh, with like stuff that you take for menstrual cramps, it'll say take one every 12 hours. And I'm like, this is not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. How, what would two do? You know, and, and with a lot of them, you can, the recommended, you feel you like can you're a scientist. Up. Yeah. You want to write the company, dear sirs, <laughs> I realize if you take 12 Midol, it right. helps much more than your yeah. recommended one. Well, I think the word for that is titrating. So I've realized with certain over-the-counter medications, like I just need to take a little more till I feel better. Yeah. But obviously gigantic disclaimer with that if you're listening um consult your doctor and don't do that because that could be very dangerous very fast well that's okay i don't drink anymore but i drank a lot Same. and it was always like okay i'm drunk but two more shots at jägermeister is going to make me definitely more drunk and mm-hmm. better and then i talked to someone for 10 minutes and go okay those shots are probably out of my system it was insane like my my breakdown in my head like i i need another shot for the road i know i know i know no i had the same thing back in my drinking days i would be like really happily drunk and then be like got to keep drinking got to maintain this when the funny thing is that when you feel really happy drunk when you're at that i'm happy drunk like you got hours left of drunk in yeah, you yeah yeah yes you yes. you never have that thought 15 minutes before you're sober um the i i uh, okay I've, I've done cocaine and i always think oh i'm just going to do a little cocaine and it turns out i'm going to do all of it every time That's- 100% and then i'm going to be frantic like Okay, now I'm out. I mm. need more now. Okay. Yeah, well, that's kind of how that drug works. Yeah. But for me, alcohol, one beer was the perfect buzz. Mm-hmm. Two, fine. Any more than that was like, okay, now it's kind of weird. But the one beer buzz was pure joy. How long ago did you quit drinking? Four years. Did you go through AA? Yeah. Did you yeah. do the whole program and everything? Uh, no, but I go every week and it's it's uh, it's the best best decision i've ever made for me what made you decide to go have you canvassed this a lot on other podcasts sometimes okay but i uh i well you know long story short is i was super like really dark depressed and i called dr drew and i said i'm freaking out and i'm this is really ugly right now and i'm something bad's gonna happen and i was very serious were you suicidal yeah i was Mm -hmm. definitely i was like i don't there's no point to this and it wasn't a cry for help it was there is no point to this. Like I am this being life. Yeah. I was like, I'm miserable every day is not fun. 
And I went to the hospital to his guy and he said he's not going to treat me till I stop drinking. And, you know, I didn't get undepressed, but everything got better. And it took a while. But for, I'm just talking about for me because I'm, I'm not – my friends all drink and uh, – mm. I get way more out of those meetings though than not drinking. I get it's way more of a psychological thing because I feel grounded, I feel humbled, and I always feel better leaving than going in. And some meetings are terrible; they're like church, and I don't go to those ones. And some meetings are I go there and I feel okay. I'm I'm back in line. My, it it defeats your narcissism a lot, mm-hmm. and it makes me realize, oh, that was a good decision. You know, the main reason I quit drinking, I'll say, as far as a, an actual reason is I have much less regrets than I did before. Yeah. Because I say some stupid stuff now. <laughs> but before, it was like, everybody's going to listen to me, the guy with no knowledge about this topic, and I'm going to tell you how it is. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in a bad way, but it was just a really dumb way. Did everyone think you had a drinking problem? No. So, oh, yeah. Oh, some people did. Like, I would see strangers. Like, I would meet people in public, and they're like, oh, you're a photographer, right? And like, yeah, every time we see you, you always have like a martini in your hand. While you're working, I'm like, yeah, it's, isn't it? It's great, right? So I'm awesome. I'm I'm the coolest. But I'm also super lucky that I never got a DUI and never ran over anybody. And right, you know, but right, you know, drinking is fun. But it's just from done for me. I mean, so going back, okay, so you we got a little bit sidetracked um, because you mentioned that you were in a cult, and I was like, oh, let's talk about that. But you grew up in Tucson. Then you went to San Diego, yeah. and then the cult, and then was what? in Lake Elsinore, which is this little scummy part of Riverside. <laughs> it's horrible, it's horrible. But uh, like a battered wife, I go back not often, but I did for a while. I would go back and just hang out and just explore on the compound, or sort in of. Lake Elsinore. Yeah, I go back and look at it like every other year now, and I drive around. Is it? I mean that that seems like something someone would do just to be like, did this really happen? It's sort of yeah. My brother's wife looked it up. Because somebody was disputing whether it was really a cult or not. And my brother's wife goes, oh, yeah, this is definitely a cult. Hmm. Because there was all kinds of controversy and all kinds of stuff going down. It, they took was everyone's money. Was it easy money. to leave? We just left. Like, I, I just remember my dad coming up, going, grab your stuff and let's go. And then we moved back to San Diego. And your mom stayed? No, she came with us. Oh, she did? Yeah. Hmm. It's very, uh, you know, there, there was good times to an extent, you know, it was a giant military compound that was full of all the old parachutes and uniforms and training guns and was stuff. Was it a school? It was a military school, yeah, at some point. But they had just abandoned and left everything there. So we got to break locks off doors and go in there and we would pile parachutes on the floor of the gym and climb up in the rafters and fall into them and, you know, stuff like that. And we didn't go to school, so it was kind of like sweet freedom. So for you, you were there for three years, you Two said? years. For, so for two years, you didn't go didn't to school? Didn't go to school for probably eight months. That seems illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Did it make school harder for you when you uh I'm went sure back? it did. I'm yeah. sure and not only you know, I but how hard is school? Because I I put in zero effort and I graduated. Zero. Okay. None. I think and, it depends on what school you go to. Yeah. I also I think you're very bright. Thank you. I I don't know about well, okay, I don't want to dispute that. That was a good <laughs> positive. That's a positive. Just take it. Let it in. <laughs> Embrace it. <laughs> I, I wish we would have been forced to do, you can't dwell on it, you know. I, I wish we would have been forced to do more and try harder and stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm sure myself and my sister and my two brothers suffered a lot because of just, you know, parents never talking to us about getting a job, about sex, about, n- none of it ever came right. up, ever came up. 
and you think, I wish I was kind of forced to study because then I would probably be much more um, prone to learning how to work right now. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and more disciplined and more focused. So you mentioned that your mom um, has mental illness. Yeah. Like in what way? She's, well, take, take narcissism times 10 okay. to the point where, and it's, it's, it's not dissipating at all. It just continues. And it's, there is a constant fight between her and everybody uh, 24 seven for my entire life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, she, you know, and it was just same stories you've heard other, we'd leave to go with my dad for Christmas and she would say she's going to kill herself. Mm. And, you know, if we go and it was stuff like that to tell little kids and it would so make then us, would you not go? Or would no, you go we would go, but it was always gone. this tension, yeah. and it was, and that, that stuff still continues to this day. Like where she tries to pull little games, and it's this mental game, and you kind of realize how heartbreaking it is eventually, where she's missing out on visiting people visiting her, and missing out on seeing the grandkids and stuff because she's such a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. and makes it miserable. And you kind of, it's sad, but it's just, it never ends. You know, it never ends. What's and, your relationship with her like now? It's it's not good at all, but I still stop and visit her. I feel obligated, and I I want to. I don't want her to die and feel like I abandon her. You don't want her to feel like that, or you don't want to feel like that. I don't want to feel that way, but I also feel like I want to just be an adult and get over it, <laughs> and try to be. Yeah. No, but I do feel that. I like. I I really want to be like. Okay, I'm not. This isn't. You did all these things, and I'm not. There, there is no. We're way past the point of her going. Okay, I acknowledge I did that. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge I said I was like, going to kill you in your sleep. I acknowledge I said I was going to. You know, this it, just never going to happen. She's, she'll never acknowledge. No, it. she t- lot. She denies everything, and right. you're like, Mom, you got four kids who, who have the same story about you chasing us with a baseball bat, saying you're going to kill us. I would never do that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> no, the conversation's over then. And and what's the point? What what's she going to do? Go? I was wrong. You know? I mean, just move on and try to get along and there's just no point to it it's it's having vengeance or whatever it is it's it's not coming and and there's no point there's really is no point i always think revenge it's hard to not want not vengeance but just that that come to jesus moment where suddenly yeah. you're acknowledged i mean it's hard to not want that i think yeah but you know what i'll tell you you can change it because my brother and his wife made a very conscious decision to raise their kids very differently than how we were raised or how she was raised mm-hmm. And their kids are phenomenal, phenomenal. And it's, so you can change, you can break the pattern. Right. You know, regardless of what DNA got passed on. But right. I see a lot of things that she does in me and stuff my dad does. And I hate it. Mm. I hate that stuff. And I think it's probably just sort of built in a little bit. So why did she chase you with a baseball she, bat? She was, she's great. She, well, you know, what, what were the circumstances? <laughs> anything. I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, the last, the last conversation, I was driving her home from a family event and we were talking about our house in San Diego and she goes, I didn't, you know, I was so busy raising you guys. And I go, mom, let's be honest. (laughs) And she goes, I was 24 seven raising you guys when we lived in the house. And I went, mom, we didn't even see you. And we all, Nikki and I snuck out the window every single night and went out drinking with our friends every night. She goes, you're a liar. And I went, no, we did every (laughs) night, every night. She goes, you're a liar. And then she finally went, you're the devil. You're mm. the devil. You're a devil and you're a terrible human being and you're a bad person and you're a liar. Oh my God. And, and, and that doesn't faze me one bit, one bit, but it was just like, she's in complete denial. And I wasn't trying to say it like you, you were so dumb. We snuck out, but I was like, you know, 
maybe I was. Maybe I was just trying to say you're lucky we're even alive because of all the stupid shit we pulled trying to run away and do stuff. Yeah. You know, and then when I finally was forced to move out, she said, if you leave, you're not coming back. And I came back and all my stuff was in the driveway. So I took the stuff I wanted and split. But it, it wasn't that traumatic. You know, mm-hmm. the, the kid stuff was probably way worse. Right. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to be angry and I don't want to dwell on that. And I want to just get over it and just go, whatever. I mean, I really want it in my heart. I don't want, I always imagine this payback thing. The payback comes and it's heartbreaking. You know, the fact that I, I'm in San Diego every week to see my niece and my nephews and I only visit her like every other week or every third week for five minutes mm-hmm. is probably the reluctant payback. I'm not but doing it consciously. A, here's but, a question. Do you think she is aware like is no, she, no. so she's not wringing her hands over the fact that she's missing out on this stuff. It's just that you I think feel she's bad so wrapped up in herself. But yeah. I don't know this to be a fact. Maybe Well that but that's how narcissists are. Yeah. Maybe it's just such severe mental illness she's not aware of it, but so many times she's aware of it. Like she'll snap out of things that she's doing, you know, that you're like, "Oh, I see." You know, she said she had cancer and she was dying and couldn't breathe and wouldn't, you know, just sitting there going, and, and my sister, my sister forced her to go to the doctor and all of a sudden, hey, she's not doing that anymore. <laughs> hey, what a weird coincidence. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. So you just histrionic. go, like, how does this just, can't we ever just, everyone just chill out and let their pride go and just have a normal time? And it's, it's, it's hard, you know? Is she childlike? I don't know if she's childlike, but she has no... She definitely has a sense of entitlement and she's never had a job in her Mm -hmm. life, but feels like she was screwed over by everybody. How does she support herself? My dad pays her rent. They've been divorced since I was seven. And, uh, she, my brother's wife got her on some kind of assistance where she gets some money. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we would, you know, or it's, she doesn't have any costs, but it's, you know, and she spends her, uh, this sounds like I'm really ripping my mom, but everything's, I'm sugarcoating it to an extent. You know, it's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, it's just, she just watches the shot. It's, it's a sad, sad life. And I, I feel, I feel terrible. I feel sick and and I don't want it to affect me, but she can ruin my day Mm. often. Like I'll go down there and we'll get into a fight immediately and then I leave and it's supposed to be a nice family time where I get to see my niece and my nephews and, and then I leave driving home and I'm just sad and I'm like, this doesn't fucking end. She still has the power and still, you know. It's yeah. a pretty funny podcast. <laughs> no, I'm so with you on that one. I don't know how. I don't. I think no matter what, parents always have that power over their kids. To the, it just they just do. And I I think that you can work to get past it, and you can change it a bit, and you can lessen it. But I don't know that you ever entirely. I don't know that they'll ever just be another human being to you. Yeah. When it's like yeah. at one point this person had the power of life and death over you. It's just always there. And I think I mean, I know for me, I always I always am looking for that acknowledgement and that understanding and this stuff that I'm aware that you know, when as as it pertains to certain situations, I'm never gonna get I'm never gonna get what I want. And yet I am like moth to a flame, just like same patterns over and over yeah. again trying yeah. to get it. And it's like I wish I could feel I wish I'd get to a point where I don't need it and I don't know how to. It's just a wound. Uh, yeah, that's I'm with you. I don't I I don't know how to either, but I think therapy is probably a good step. I think that. Yeah. But I don't know because I'm too gutless to actually make the call. Have you are you not in therapy? No. You no, never have I'm been? going to do it. I finally got on some medication. What one? I don't know. And I don't know if it's helping or not, but I suspect it is because 
I'm not, I don't wake up with dread as Mm -hmm. much as I used to. Okay. You know? So you've never been to a therapist though? Yes, I have. Oh. Long time. I went to, I was having, this was another, this was the lowest point. Okay. It was like a Sunday and I was aimlessly driving around and I was, it was, this was the lowest point I've ever had. And I was just like, okay, this is it. And my this phone. This is it. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to drive off this overpass. Oh. I'm not like this, by the way. This has been like two or three times in my entire life mm-hmm. that I felt this, this low, but I was, I didn't, I wasn't happy with any aspect and I just felt like I was spinning my wheels and I just don't understand what the point of this is. And I don't know what my purpose is here. Yeah. And I was, uh, also the word miracle. Are you guys, did you guys look at each other because of that air conditioner? The air conditioner. That's all right. Run, yeah. That's all right. But the, um, can you really hear it through these mics? A little bit. I make a note in the time code of when it comes on so I can make sure to take it out. To EQ it out? Mm-hmm. He's that good. That's pretty great. It's extra buzzy today. Yeah, it's like there's something loose in the vent or something. <sighs> Only $6,000 <laughs> for my landlord. There's, there's such a weird buildup when you head towards your microphone because you have to push your button to talk. <laughs> I'm like, we know it's because every time we did this. This better right. be good. <laughs> this is going to be magic. Jeff's leaning over to the microphone. <laughs> And you do it slowly too, which is kind of like leaves people hanging. Yeah, you're not right on it. You're just well, like, here I come. Yeah, don't, not to sidetrack the show, them. but it, I feel like that's uh, leftover from the Thursday show where there's so many people talking that I can't get a word in edgewise. So I kind of have to do that's it real great. slow and no, let that's people great. know. If I'm coming in yeah. for a landing, I got a big gym. I could get could, to the point he, where you're doing this, right? Or like beep beep <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> Um, okay. Where were we when the air conditioner came? Oh, you were talking about your lowest point. Oh, yeah. And again, I don't, again, I didn't say this. I don't need to disparage somebody's religion or anything, but I don't really believe in miracles. I'm like, that was a miracle Mm -hmm. because there's opposites of that that are way more in abundance than your stupid miracle. Tragedies, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a miracle. My son survived the bus. Oh, what about everybody else? I'm with you. Not a miracle. Yeah. But, uh, uh, my dermatologist called me and goes, I'm in a jam. It's my mother's 80th birthday and I have some pictures I need to print. Can you print them for me? And I went, I'm in Orange County. And he goes, I'll drive down there. And I start crying. And he drove down, gave me a Xanax, took me out to lunch and made me go to a therapist. Here's the point. <laughs> I went to a psychiatrist and she made it crystal clear. Mike, I'm $200 an hour. If you want to sit here and talk the whole time. You can keep talking, but I'm not the person to talk to. You need to get a therapist. That's like thirty or forty dollars an hour, and I disregarded that and just blah, 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 and talked and talked and talked. Three three visits, mm-hmm. and I realized I can't afford this. And the third visit, she goes, "I need to ask you a question because you seem to have a lot of the same problems as my twelve year old daughter." And I <laughs> honestly snapped out of it. I went, "I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm like, I'm not coming back here now. I have the same problems as a twelve year old girl." What was her question? Sorry for screaming. She was asking me about me some some feelings that I was having, and and I was like, okay, I need to uh, grow up and be a man now because <laughs> I have the same problems as a twelve year old girl. It's crazy to me that psychiatrists, because in my head, psychiatrist is a person you can go to. Absolutely, to talk about your Bob stuff, Newhart. But yeah, n- yeah, yeah. Um, but nowadays, my it's grandpa was a psychiatrist. Finite. Yeah, nowadays it's like psychiatrists are just there to prescribe pills yeah. and then make sure the pills aren't making you crazy. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if they're basing it on your opinion, so I, I right. don't have any. <laughs> I, they're really just there to give you drugs. Yeah, the last guy I went to, these new drugs I got from a new doctor. It's kind of sketchy, frankly. 
for super sketchy. But uh, the last guy I went to just... Did he be- have an office or did he meet you in a car? He was in a van. Is that an <laughs> office? No. No, I, I have a new doctor. Anderson came in one day and went, you guys got to check out my doctor. She's super hot and she's Russian. And so we call her hot Russian doctor because mm-hmm. she's hot Russian doctor. And I was like, I am making an appointment tomorrow. It was all just because I thought it was funny. Right. And yeah, she's ridiculously hot. Why she's is it like, sketchy then? Uh, what what other problems are you having? I'm kind of depressed. All right. Oh. Here's your prescription. I'm like, all right, thanks. <laughs> that was it. Hmm. Kind of sketchy. Good luck. Well, there was, it was sketchy also because they, she was fighting with her assistant the whole time. Uh-huh. And I brought that up to Anderson. And he's like, every time I go there, they're screaming at each other. Wow. And the whole the whole sitch was was creepy because I walked into the waiting room and there were a lot of obese Russian women and a lot of Russian gangsters. And the only reason I know what they look like is because I've watched prison shows about mm. Russian gangsters and they all have the same hand tattoos and they're all just sitting there straight ahead and it's kind of terrifying. So there's some sort of illegal drug trade going no, on. I don't think and that at all. prescribing diet pills to no. the obese Russian women. But which I think, is speed. I think maybe you know, they're taking speed. <laughs> I don't know. Do they borscht? seem to be getting thinner? <laughs> this doesn't seem to be working. It's just a it's just a situation I've never seen in a doctor's office. But then again, it's uh, there are a lot of Russian immigrants in there, so maybe this is how she is. Okay, f- f- and she was very insulted when I went. Can I ask you a question about your patients? And I go. You seem to have a lot of Russian patients. Uh, is that because you're Russian? And then she was very defensive. I am not Russian. Oh, what is she? She's American, but she was born in mm. Russia and, you know, went to school and she went to medical school over here and stuff. But I was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know that was going to be taken. Right. Like I'm going, all right. So which Bond villain do you most <laughs> like? I don't know. Like, plus I have a weird, unnatural distrust of Russians, which makes no sense. But I was, oh, one night I was drunk. Is it, and I was, is it leftover Cold War Oh, stuff? it's completely from movies. Okay. Only from movies. I base nothing on real life. It's mm-hmm. all in movies. <laughs> it's all in movies. Um, you know, Miss Piggy's a slut. I know that. The I was I was blurting that out one night at the at the improv really loudly about how you shouldn't trust Russians. You can't trust Russians. And some guy came over to me and he goes, I'm Russian and I think you're totally correct. <laughs> and, I like, and I wanted to go like, listen, I'm totally uneducated. I base this all on like three or four movies. I saw when I was a kid. And, uh, but yeah. Okay, now I made myself out to be a racist, sexist. What else could I do? Well, okay. So after so Lake Elsinore, then where'd you go? Back to San Diego. Back to San Diego. And then eventually I moved to Orange County. Where in Orange County? Fullerton. I, Fullerton and Brea. Okay. I, I lived, well, grew up in Orange County yeah. and then lived yeah. there again after college. Um, what do you think of it? I did not like it growing up. Okay. I was too young to appreciate all the reasons that my parents saw it and thought here would be a good place Allison, to raise kids. I'm sure we're in alignment on this one too. I am amazed at my sheer stupidity mm-hmm. when I look at all the stuff I've had in my life that I didn't appreciate one bit. Yeah. Living at the beach. Like you're just too young. I lived at the beach in San Diego for 20 years and I thought I can't wait to get out of this shithole. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought that every single day. I can't wait to get away from this shithole. My place that I had in, in Orange County was great. Yeah. It was fantastic, and I owned it, and it was a beautiful tree-lined complex. I had a townhome that was super comfortable, had all my stuff. The streets were flawless. It was in Brea. Everything was easy. Going to run errands was a breeze. Movie theaters right down the street. Everything was close, and I just kept thinking, I can't wait to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, towards the end. I lived there for seven years. I was like, I can't wait to get back to L.A. 
I absolutely regret that decision because there's no reason I needed to leave. Well, so why did you just, you just felt like you wanted to be in LA? I sold that place. Well, I was having issues with the bank and my mortgage because I kept going up because I had this stupid adjustable arm. Mm. And uh, I finally just went, I need a long-term, I can't do this. I go, it's, you know, because it started at 1700 then it was at like 3000 Then it, and I'm like, okay, now I can't afford this. And, yeah. And I still paid it for another four years. And where were you working at the time? I still, a uh, photographer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I have an office at the Improv and I get paid from them. And Which Improv is your, like, All home? of them. Oh, Melrose. Okay. Yeah. I was in Brea while, when I was there, but uh, I, I just... Uh, I didn't appreciate it one bit. Now I'm back. I go every one, every once a week back to Brea and I drive around. I'm like, what the hell is my problem? Mm-hmm. It's quiet and safe and the streets are flawless and everything's clean and going to a restaurant is not an issue. Going to Target, you park right in front at any time. It's convenient. It's yeah. also antiseptic and homogenous. Yes, I agree with that. And, um, yeah. you know, it's got its downsides but too. But there's, there's a good to that. There's a good thing to that too because sometimes the charm of the Hollywood Hills gets to be <laughs> just be the traffic of the Hollywood Hills or Studio right. City or wherever you live. Right. Because I, I'm sure, ideally, it would be really fantastic to live in a, an amazing house in the hills with a view and go into your little private enclave and you're surrounded by beauty, but you still have to drive down Ventura at some point. I'm going to say something bold, but I'm anti-hills. It's my new stance. At That's one point, bold. I liked. At one point, I loved the idea of like a winding, tree-lined street up in the yeah. hills with a with a view. Um, I had a real like had a real hard on. I'm just gonna say yeah. it for living in some <laughs> sort of foresty, sylvan yeah. situation. Uh, however, now I really want to live somewhere somewhere flat where you can park and yes. your car door will stay open. And where it's not really hairy to back out of your driveway and where you can just walk your dog without. I don't like those hills. Okay. The hills, I'm off cold water and I like my hills better than those kind of hills. (laughs) My favorite neighborhood is George Clooney's house, like where he lives. Do you know where that is? I don't. You know where that off of Fryman Canyon? There's, it's a beautiful hike uh, called Fryman Canyon, wraps Mm -hmm. around the hills and it exits right at George Clooney's gate. And it's, it's an insanely, of course, it's George Clooney's neighborhood. But I just thought he lived on some island in Italy. It's beautiful, and it's close to the freeway, and it's close. Like you're a quarter mile to now I'm on Ventura, or half a mile to I'm on Ventura now. It's not up too far. It's right one All of the right. first streets off of Laurel. Maybe I'll consider some hills. And it's 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 just so quiet and tranquil. And I know they mean the same thing, but <laughs> it's quiet, Slightly tranquil. Different. It's soothing. It's calming. Oh my god! All those things that you're talking about make me think about Casper mattresses. Yes. Are you familiar with Casper? I'm familiar with them now they because. Are... Go ahead. Well, I know, I know they're uh, memory foam and you get a latex. free trial, which is the big deal. Yes, uh, memory foam and latex foam. So it's two different technologies. So, like we were talking about earlier, these companies that have cut out the middleman, which then makes you the consumer you're in a great position because you can get amazing products for not an insane markup, which is uh, when there's all sorts of middlemen, that's what happens is all of a sudden you're paying astronomical prices. Um, And now you can get an amazing mattress for a non-astronomical price. Um, So Casper is this great company. You order them online. There's a risk-free trial and return policies. You can try sleeping on your Casper for 100 days. There's free delivery, painless returns. The mattresses are made in America. It's awesome. Um, when it arrives, it arrives in a box. 
and you think, I can't believe my whole mattress is in there. And they give you this So special- don't open it in the kitchen. <laughs> They give you a special tool to get into the box and then you, you know, get into your mattress and you just watch it unfurl. Yep. It's pretty amazing uh, the way they do it. And the mattresses are super comfortable, just the right amount of sink, right amount of bounce. Special offer for my listeners. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash best friend and using the promo code best friend terms and conditions may apply. So again, uh, that's Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash best friend. Use the promo code best friend. The, the thing about mattresses is, it, it, this is what's amazing about this mattress. And I, I'm, I am d- jumping on the uh, the uh, helping you promote this bandwagon, which normally I'm totally against. But mattresses are really important. I'm not they against are. helping you. Okay. No, I know. I, I am I'm, with you. I know I, what you're saying. But it's um, getting it free for 100 days is friggin' amazing because they have to throw it away if you send it back because they can't go, here's a, a mattress somebody else's grossness right. and dead skins on. That's how whatever much they else. believe yeah. in their product. And people always say, how much time you sleep, it's really important to invest in a good mattress. And that's one of the lessons I can't get through my thick head because I'm always like, yeah, I'm not spending more than that on a mattress. And these mattresses are not as expensive. I mean, I looked at them when I heard them talked about on podcasts, but... Well, for example, I was I got to stay at the Montage in, in Laguna Beach once, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to stay there, but I had too much to drink, and I ended up sleeping there, and it was the greatest bed. Okay, I'm not trying to push you away from Casper right now, and I'll I'll just Please clear don't. that I'll clear that up right now <laughs> with the price of the mattress at the Montage nine thousand dollars. That's insane. Yes, however, it was so good. I just thought this is a good example of what a sucker I am. I'm like, I have to get that $9,000 mattress. Did you no, get it? No, no. The common sense kicked in like five minutes okay. later. It was the same thing when I sat in one of those those weightless chairs at the at the back store. I'm like, I cannot live without this chair. But here's the thing. Someone could tell you a Casper yes. is $9,000 and then you'd be like, absolutely. It's totally, this is, this is mattress ecstasy. I'm just saying, if you need a mattress, okay, who wants to sleep on a crummy mattress? You should buy this 100 days. That's, a, that's an amazing. I know. And you can return it. Yeah, free returns. I just say I'm going to help you out with this, and then all of a sudden I bury it, and they're like, oh, they're no longer a sponsor. Thanks. You owe us. No, I think this Let's is- Let's not I think have this that a, happen. But I, I do think, genuinely in my heart, I think that's incredible. Like, well, who let you take something for 100 days, and guess what? You get it? You like it? Yeah, and if- Everyone's yeah, happy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's risk-free cost? trial and return policy. So you can try sleeping on it for 100 days, and then it's free delivery and- The delivery returns. part is the big deal to me, too. Mm-hmm. Because there's things Agreed. I'm not picking up. TV, mattress. Well, I meant to say refrigerator. You're like, how lazy are you? Apparently, <laughs> prescription <laughs> drugs anymore now that I know they deliver. Yes. I just found out today that the pharmacy where I get my IVF drugs delivers for $7 and I will never leave my apartment ever again because it Do, costs more than that to pay for parking there. Have you ever used uh, Pink Dot? No, I haven't. I haven't either. But, but I do grocery delivery sometimes. Okay. So. I'm oh all God, about this it. is this is terrible. This is going to be an ad. The greatest discovery I've made in some time, and this is going this is dangerous. This is going to bury me. Accidentally got Amazon Prime. Oh, I love Amazon and I'm like, Prime. Do you want same day delivery? I'm like, what the hell is that? Right. Shoes same day. What is that? Yeah. How is that possible? I know it's awesome. I I swear to you, this is no joke. When I first got it, I bought two things, and then I was going through and looking in cabinets, like, what do I need? I'm like, I, I can't, I'm going to buy cleanser eventually. <laughs> I, I honestly was like, I'm going to buy cleanser, a cleanser. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this soap. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll just buy it now and have it. 
Th- that's what th- I think it's great. Which flies in direct opposition with my my idea that we need to get out more because I think there's something to going out and buying things. I think the internet as a whole can be very, very de- depressing because it was better, frankly, before the internet. Happiness. I do wonder about that. It's so much more convenient were, now. It's so much more convenient, but you were forced to interact with human people. interaction. I think is probably I'm I'm basing this on nothing, but it's a theory. You're probably like, no, nah, I've heard people tell you this fifty times, idiot. I'm like <laughs> I made this up, you guys. But I think interaction is so important to quality of life. And my first like six or eight months on Facebook, I was like, this is fantastic. I'm back in touch with everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see them. I don't need to talk to them. But this is perfect. And then it gets to be depressing after a while. Yeah. And it could just be people's bullshit posts. It's Look how much fun I'm having. I'm at a concert. You're not here. Look where mm-hmm. I'm sitting. And, you know, that. it's it's that constantly. It's like, hey, I'm, look how successful I am. Right. And, and right. then I'm like, God damn, I'm a loser compared to you. Yeah, sometimes I'll be in the worst mood and I'll think, what put me here? Oh, I checked Twitter. All Not my anything friends anyone have Teslas. said to me. Yeah. 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 yeah, just looking at other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not true. Mm-mm. No, it can't be true that other people version. yeah are so successful. No, that it just can't be true. It's not. It's just an illusion. Right, and then after I leave, you guys are like, "He's a loser. God damn, <laughs> he doesn't know how to get ahead in life. He's still in the same spot he was when he was twenty. He doesn't trust Russians. What's happened? I shouldn't say I don't trust Russians because I, I let a, a a Russian prescribe me drugs and inject me with stuff." Okay, so let's just get through this real fast, and then let's take some questions on Twitter. Okay. The part we're going to get through real fast is I need I need a, a more of a biographical sketch of you. Okay, so Orange County, then you moved to L.A. Yeah, and and then does that bring us to now? But and, sure does. But when did you start working at the Improv? When did you in become the their photographer? Oh no! In the eighties, I was a doorman, and then I became the manager, and then I left to go work on some other stuff for four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not true. I worked there. I did other stuff for four years, and then I had like a little mental breakdown and didn't do didn't do anything for two years, and kind of okay. figured life was over, and I'm just going to stop paying my bills. And that probably didn't go too well. And then I one day went. I should probably just get a job, and then that's it. Went back to the improv. Yeah, yeah. And had and, were you always into photography? No, I kind of made up a job for myself and just did it, mm-hmm. and then it worked out. And you also you talked about working in film. Yeah, I, I shoot like stills on some friends' movies and stuff, and I'll do pre-production things for people, and you know, whatever it, what I'll do, whatever I'll not what it, no, I won't. Back up, I won't do whatever. <laughs> we need a guy to get coffee on Saturday. I'm there, forty bucks. <laughs> Let's take some questions that came in over Twitter. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Here I feel like go. I talked way too much and I was way discombobulated. No, no, don't feel that way. Jared says, what is his... I'm in legal trouble right now. What should I do? What is his... <laughs> no, different Jared. <laughs> what is his biggest fear? Um, There's so many. There's... It's, it's, it's a sliding scale. It's, it's whatever. No, I guess my biggest fear would be never getting out of this feeling of searching for something, never finding my, my passion or my, uh, 
That would be my biggest fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never figuring it out. Being like 70 going, oh, what am I doing? Like what? Just doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and never going, this is what I want to focus my energy on and, and finish. Or, you know, it could also be not finishing things. Like you have an idea, you have a project. I've got tons of them. Mm-hmm. And I finish stuff. There's 50 things on my desktop on my computer. There's uh, I'm trying to make an, uh, record another album, and I'll, that's been a year, and I'm still like, oh, next week I'll start next week, and it's just you, you go, how do you maybe never finding the ambition to actually follow things through, and they don't even have to have an endpoint. It just needs to get done, right, and get it out of your system, and that would be probably my biggest fear. That podcast nerd says, has Mike made a real effort to meditate for his mental well-being? He mentions meditation, but does he actually do it daily? I don't do it daily. In my heart, I believe it is, well, first of all, I believe it because I was told that it's the most important thing I could possibly do by some famous people. And and Which famous people? Jerry Seinfeld. There's a bunch of mm. people that were just like, it's the most important part of my life. And it's the reason. Specifically transcendental meditation? Yes. Or okay. Okay. Now here's the thing about mm. that. It's is, expensive. Yes. Yeah. Have you tried it? No. My husband and I have talked about it. We I look went, it up online. I'm like, holy shit, it's expensive. We went to the class and it was an hour of them telling you and showing you testimonials, David Lynch and all these people going. Yeah. A lot of celebrities are into it. Ellen. <laughs> the... Here's the deal. I got to the end of it, and I looked to my, I looked over at my friend, and I went, "I have no idea how much this costs. Is it free? Is it fifty bucks? Is it four hundred bucks?" And then the woman goes, "Oh, it's fifteen hundred. And I was like, "Yeah, I guess I'm out." And I and I talked yeah. to some other friends, and I go, "I need to know. Is it this?" But here's the thing about it, and I've done it, uh, I, I fifty fifty to sixty times, and I cannot focus. And this is part of the problem is. I always think I don't have time. And I think that's part of the lesson is you make the time. Right. And and I think that's where you become mindful, regimented. And the mindful part of it, I don't even think, I think sitting and just breathing and just letting go for 15 or 20 minutes a day, a couple times a day is so important to helping you focus on jobs and actually getting things done. Mm. And And I can promise you this, of the times I've done it, there's probably been a dozen where it had a pretty dramatic effect on me and I'm not even good at it, but I remember like finishing and just being like, okay, I feel, I see what's really happening. It's just me standing here and I'm all these issues that are making my head spin are really not worthy of causing me to have a stroke or a heart attack, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it kind of, it centered me more and I really, really believe in it. And I really wish I had the wherewithal or the brains to actually follow through with it. Because I do, in my heart, believe you're physically forcing yourself to calm down. It's right. it's the weirdest thing. Like It, it also scared the shit out of me a couple of times because I felt depressed afterwards. I went, do I have this? Have I had this power all along to calm down? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, but I'm like, <laughs> could I have done this 20 years ago and, and not been like, could I have started? Yeah. And you just go like, uh, and then every day, every single day in my phone, my alarm goes off at 920, meditate, and every day I snooze, and then the next time I just turn it off and go, I'll do it after lunch. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's midnight, and I'm like, eh, I don't want to meditate before I go to bed. <laughs> What's the point of that? Right. Well, maybe one of these days you'll do it again. What about you? Um, I, I have done it a little bit. Um, I found that I kept crying. I think that's good. 
I think that's good. I've heard that that can happen. I think that's yeah. I think that's great. It's like all this shit. Yes, I realized is just right under the surface, and it wants to come out. I, but I didn't really love that. I think you should. I think you should try. I should probably do. It tell more. me about. Tell me what what troubles you right now. Like, do you feel like I want this to happen? I want that to happen. I I do you have regrets? Do you have? I'm curious. Like what is on your mind about like your life? Mm, good question. And, and I don't think personal life matters. And that's your th- personal thing. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm wondering like, like what, where did you think you would be right now? And I'm not trying to dig and, and make, uh, I, but I'm curious because I struggle with this all the time. Mm. I'm like, okay, all of my friends are multimillion, not all, but you know, right. I'm like, Oh, it's something where, what did I do wrong? And mm-hmm. maybe it's just, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I do believe that that I mean I do believe that I think I do believe that people generally are <clears throat> excuse me where they're supposed to be. I think I thought I would get everywhere faster because yeah, yeah. I was the youngest person doing whatever I was doing for the longest time. Like I started I wrote professionally very young. I wrote for the LA Times when I was still in high school and I wrote for wow. magazines all through college and all my friends were older and I was in advanced classes and meanwhile, total late bloomer socially. Yeah. Um, which I think is what happens when you like pull ahead in one area. It's I think like, that's cooler though. Maybe. But but then all of a sudden when I got to a point where I'm like, okay, there's some whippersnappers who are starting to lap me <laughs> and now I'm definitely not the youngest one doing anything anymore. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, that, that's do you weird. find it difficult to, to not compare yourself? Yes. Me too. Although my comparing myself was greater in New York. Something, I don't know if it's maybe just where I was in my career then versus here. Um, but I do think it's something just more specifically about the culture of New York. I compare myself to my my career to other people constantly and it kind of made me nuts it's a little bit easier for me to not do that out here but i also feel more disconnected from stuff out here mm-hmm. sometimes it just i yeah it, i just think it's probably a common struggle and i wonder if it's uh i know it's not healthy but I'm trying to i'm trying to reconcile every you know trying to i i want to stop i just want to enjoy things and like what's yes. you, what's what have you done that you were ridiculously passionate about and very excited and it was super satisfying? This podcast. Really? It, this podcast from on my own from my home. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's great then. That's that's great. That was that definitely. Do um, you have a like a yeah, a weird hangover afterwards? Because for me, when I'm working on a project that I'm proud of, I'm kind of miserable during that mm-hmm. during that time, and then afterwards, I look back on it with great fondness I and sadness have, yes. and nostalgia. Yeah, I have that for a lot of stuff. Do you, does this podcast? Um, here's my problem with TV, which ties into podcasts. It's like they don't end. I, like I, that's I like movies because there's an end. Okay, and that sounds kind of weird, but TV shows. Every time I, people try to get me into TV shows, I'm like. But this doesn't end. And no one knows where the... There's a bunch of guys that don't even know the end yet. And I'm wrapped up in what they don't even know yet. That can get to me as well. Yeah. Like I, I... Did you see Mr. Robot? Do you watch Mr. Robot? No. 
Uh, no. It's really good. And apparently the creator of it already knows where it's going. Like it's, it's not like it is set in stone, the direction. And yeah. that brings me comfort. Yeah. Because like what that. I don't like is a show like, um, well, I never watched Lost, but what I understand of Lost, which is that Just you went had all this, haywire and... you had this sense that like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. 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 It's improv- improvisational TV sort of to an extent. Like what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Even though I, I readily acknowledge that TV is friggin' phenomenal nowadays, but it is. I just want an end. I want it, I want everything to get wrapped up, so that you can move on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Even with projects, with work projects that are great, working on films is fun because it ends mm-hmm. and it totally ends. Um, Chamuco says Ace Hotel or Madonna Inn. Madonna Inn. Loppy says. How did he meet his after-disaster friends? I, Will he uh, be my friend? I, I, Anderson has a different story, but <laughs> he claims we met like uh, 13 or 14 years ago and when he was making a short film and he claims a mutual friend brought me to the set and I relentlessly hit on his girlfriend. I don't remember. <laughs> I genuinely, in my heart, don't have any recollection of that. Right. I was at a, a New Year's Eve party, I guess, six years ago and it was it was one of the most horrible things i've ever done because my girlfriend was waiting at my house and i wasn't thrilled with that relationship and i knew she was there waiting for me with dinner and i went to this party anyway and then i got really drunk and hung out till well past midnight it was it was brutal it was horrible but i don't why do i have to preface it with a sad part <laughs> and another thing, I ran over some cats driving home. But then uh, I met Anderson and he said, uh, Dr. Drew is like a big fan. You should come and meet him someday. And I just blew it off like, eh, all right. And then he called me on Monday and said, when are you in town? I went, I'm in town now. And I came in and hung out with those guys. And then I was filling in on the Film Vault, another podcast. Yes. While Brian was out with cancer. And we accidentally broadcast some horrible profanities <laughs> on like 100 stations. Because he pushed the wrong button while we were recording. <laughs> and we had to go formally apologize to Westwood One. And while we were in the room, we pitched the idea of us doing a podcast. And the guy said, go ahead. That was it. Huh. Who was that guy? Okay, I'm embarrassed. I don't remember his name. He was the boss. Unless I apologize to the janitor. <laughs> it was, uh, you probably know him. Norm? Not Norm. Okay. Down One down from that. Oh, I don't think I actually know the West, all the Westwood One people. Yeah. <clears throat> I was just going to say, he's a great guy, but I'm saying that also because he can't let us do the show there. How did Dr. Drew know of you? Videos. Like online videos. Is that videos. the five minutes with yeah, Mike? Yeah, And he just stumbled upon No, those? Anderson showed him to him. Okay. Gotcha. And how'd you meet Tyler? Tyler was working there as, an, as the uh, phone screener at the time. Mm. And it's weird how much time passes in life. It's really daunting and depressing because you think, well, maybe you guys don't. Maybe we do. But years pass and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like I think years. that all the time. I think that all the time. Yeah. Do you ever have this thought? I look at like a, <clears throat> this makes me sound like a horrible hoarder. I'll look at something in a drawer or a pile of stuff somewhere and I'll be like, that's been sitting there probably for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've thought I need to move that for three years. We should get a therapist together. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, yeah, there's stuff that I put down and went, I'm putting that there. So I put it away and it sits there for six months Yeah, and I take my bills and I put them in front of the door. So I have to step over them to go, got to pay that bill. And I step over them 
until they're past due sometimes. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not even that it's not that, Oh, I don't, I'll pay it when I have the money. It's not that at all. It's, I don't feel like sitting down and writing checks right now. I, I totally know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Heather Lynn Hodgkins, Hodgkins says, what are his go-to snacks at Disneyland? There is a rattle in my throat and Weird it's questions. driving me nuts and I'm hoping it's not driving the listeners nuts. No, I can't hear it. I'm going to attempt to get rid of it. Hey, you, you want to hear, you want to, you know what's gross? <laughs> that was perfect timing. You know what's disgusting? Is, uh, uh, my voice right now? No, your voice is nice. I, <clears throat> I ate yogurt in silence. Does that sound loud to you? Try eating yogurt in silence. You don't realize how many times you oh, bash okay. your teeth together. I'm like, do I do this every? I'm kind of, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I don't even know how to chew. It's kind or, of a loud food, I guess. But it's so gross the noise that I'm uh, the noise I could hear in my ears is like, do other people hear this? Like, I'm I'm apprehensive that people. I don't like thinking that people can hear me swallow. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm in a room and I have to take a drink or coffee or something, I'm like, mm. <laughs> totally natural noise. Disneyland, uh, the best food in Disneyland, in my in my opinion, is that Blue Bayou, but that's pricey and you have to make reservations. So I would say uh, the 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 little barbecue place across from Indiana Jones, I forgot what it's called, but they have uh, shish kebabs and bacon-wrapped asparagus and vegetable skewers, and it's fantastic. Bacon-wrapped asparagus? Yeah. I had no idea it's that's great. at Disneyland. Bengal barbecue is called. Okay. But the spicy meat is fantastic. Spicy like really meat. good. Yeah. But the, uh, the the grilled vegetables, vegetables, let me say it again so everyone knows I mispronounced it. The grilled vegetables are really good and relatively healthy. Okay. Wait, they're totally healthy. What am I saying? They yeah. put sugar on them and syrup. Mark Farrarisi says, is he taking antidepressants and are they helping? What's the deal with him and Tara friends dating? Yes, I'm taking antidepressants. Tara and I are good, close oh, friends. Oh, I said her name wrong. That's all right. That's all right. No, it's not. And uh, we live very close to each other, so we see each other constantly. Miss Movies says, okay, Mike loves to drive, so I want to know, how many miles does Mike drive each day, and where are his fave places to go? Well, here's how I do it. I like driving, but if I'm having anxiety, it's what I do as like my own personal little, little therapy, mm-hmm. which is why every car I have, I put 200 to 300,000 miles on it in like four years or five years. I normally, if I'm really, and I'm not as bad as I used to be. In fact, I'm much, much better. So I do this very infrequently. And now I just drive for enjoyment and I go, I want to go places and make videos and make recordings. And I think getting into a new surrounding is sort of inspirational. My go-to lately has been at San Luis Obispo and the Madonna Inn, which I do like once a month. Used to be Vegas, used to be Death Valley. I've done Death Valley like maybe 20 times now. The, the problem is finding new places that are close enough that I can get home. Like I can drive somewhere six hours and still make it home, but any more than that is too is too much and I don't want to spend the night. I want to drive somewhere. Oh, so you just go to the Madonna Inn and then you leave? I do it like once a month. We drive up, the, Tara and I go up there all the time. We mm-hmm. drive up, we explore San Luis Obispo, we do some touristy things, and we go to the Madonna Inn and have dinner and cake and pie and drive home and listen to a book on tape. I love that. Yeah, some of my favorite times with my husband have been um, like just going on some outing that involves a three or four hour drive. Yeah. Just, I always think like 
why don't we just go to Santa Barbara? Why don't we just do this for the day? And we never really do. San Luis Obispo times we have is fun. It's fantastic. And the Madonna Inn is my favorite place now. Uh, it used to be Disneyland was like my little safe spot. And mm-hmm. I would go there. But it was also for mostly, you know, I go to Disneyland a lot. It's mostly for exercise. <laughs> like well, I lived I lived in Brea and and it was five miles and right. I would drive I I'd go every day and I do two laps and a Season lap around California yeah I just do three laps and then you know no rides no almost never unless I run into people which is often now but yeah. you know but I would negate the whole thing with a margarita <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh, I get a margarita and I'm all you know half drunk driving home like I got to take a nap now worthwhile day but San, San Luis Obispo was beautiful. And there's little towns around there that are just, you go there and you're like, this is paradise. How do you feel about Solvang? I've never been there. I don't love Solvang. Okay. It's too, it's more touristy, but there's, there's other, there's a little place that's like a half an hour past it that's stunning and it's got like cliffs and all these, it's like a beach town that's not the beach and it's just beautiful and it's, you're like, this is like, would be the coolest place to live. But the Madonna Inn, I'm all about that place. I've never been there. I need to check it Allison, out sometime. It's ridiculously campy. It's it's. I love that. It's super gaudy, but it's clean gaudy. Like when I first stayed there, I thought it was going to be dirty because it looks like it's a Vegas jokey place, and it's not. It's spotless, and they're they're very. Uh, the restaurant's great. The bakery is ridiculous. Like that's the whole reason. Mm. But the place is by far the most romantic place I've ever been. I love. If I could have, well, okay. I'm sorry. I was going to make that commitment. That's not, there's like 30 dreams before that one, but I'd like to live there and own that hotel. Look out, Madonna But you know, guess what? There's a million things before that. Well. I'd also like to drive around on a tour bus all the time and just explore and somehow get paid for that. <laughs> Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. Amy Baker says, just me or everyone, I hate when I reach down to pick something off the floor and miss grabbing it multiple times. Yes, I do too. And it always makes me feel like I'm some kind of like robot or something in the same way that like if you had a motorized, a tiny little motorized car and it hit the wall, it like it just goes like, here, I'm making that noise now. It just like does the same motion in the exact same way. When I go to like grab something four or five times, I feel like I'm the human version of that. Do you ever grab it with your toes? I think I have. I feel like such an animal. I use my toes for everything. Really? If there's something I can pick up with my toes and just put it in my hand, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. But if somebody were to see me do that, I'd be really embarrassed. Monkey feet. That's what I call it. (laughs) I do it all the time. (laughs) Well, I also sit down to pee. Jeff? What are you, a woman? (laughs) I'm, I'm not embarrassed about that because it's so much easier. So much easier. Because you don't have to aim or? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Ashley Bloodworth says, I have to make sure all doors are locked before I get in the shower. I don't always do that, but I think if I wondered if a door was locked, I would. I have nothing to say about that because it's treading on dangerous ground. What does that mean? Well, I'd make fun of her for that and then you find out she was assaulted or something. Uh, and I'm like, ha ah, ha ha. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Bloodworth also says, I already miss the stars on Twitter. Just me or everyone. Yeah. How do you feel about the switch from stars to hearts? I don't know if I like it. I don't, I don't like it because I think we're, we're the heart. 
it's it's like when people say I love you. It's like it should not be reserved for I really love you. It's not oh my showbiz friends love me. They love me. Or when you're when you're ending your podcast every time. (laughs) That's your catchphrase. (laughs) Yeah, it's my catchphrase. (laughs) Right, but I. But you know, if we're gonna break it down, you're really not everybody's new best friend. But no, I'm some people's just best friend. Because your phone would be ringing off the hook. It's true. And then he didn't call me back, and you're like, hold (laughs) on, I've got seventy other lines here. (laughs) Micah Zilla says, have thousands of hair ties, but can never find a bobby pin to save my life. I don't know that I have that specific one, but it's always whatever I'm looking for. I don't. So like I'll reach into my purse and if I need a pen, then I just have a bunch of tampons. Sure. You guys can relate. If I need a tampon, then I just have a bunch of pens. It's whatever I need is the, is the, the elusive thing. I like that you have more than one pen at any time. I like, I try to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Leroy Wilson says, my frequency of saying dough is proportional, I feel like I said it wrong, is proportional to the frequency of me watching The Simpsons. Dough as in the phrase from The Simpsons or as in referring to money? I was stupid. Sorry. I thought it was going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The former. I think... Uh... I, I say yes. You know, I think you're making your own bed there and you're going to surround yourself with people that think that's fine. And I, that might be a very limited group of people because it's kind of <laughs> dated. I'm sorry for insulting it. I don't know. I don't know. I say yes. It probably does go up with the frequency of watching systems. Yeah. Cape Cod Sun Lover says, sound asleep when alarm goes off Monday through Friday, but up at the crack of dawn Saturday and Sunday. Sometimes that happens. Sure. Yeah. Well, if I was a psychologist, I would, that's an easy one to decipher. What is it? Oh, guess what? I'm not very interested when I'm talking to a dude, but I'm super interested when I'm talking to a girl. What is it, you guys? He enjoys his time off more? Yeah. Yeah. Amanda Boyle says... That was a bad example for me to say, by the way. I'm really terrible at analogies. Here it is, you guys. I'm a (laughs) cement mixer, and I'm on the 405, and there's a dump truck on the 101. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Amanda Boyle says, just me or everyone, I always have to pee as soon as my lunch break is over. I just always have to pee. Me too. I'm with you. Okay. But I, I'm re- constantly replenishing my fluids. I am too. Yeah. And here's here's the, the, the Is amazing. your urine basically clear? Yeah. yeah. Mine is too. I I, maybe lot. we're overhydrated. Nah, I don't know if that's possible. Okay. In fact, I would hook an IV up if I could. I'm, I sort of got it. I would also use a, whatever that drug Michael Jackson overdosed on. Propofol. To go to sleep, yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could. If I could just go and then sleep soundly. Yeah. Here's the deal with peeing. This is the one that amazes me. This shows you the power of the mind again. I have to pee a lot. And so far, well, to an extent, so good. Like, I haven't wet my pants in the car, but I would chug many bottles of water and then get on the road to go to Irvine, go to San Diego, wherever, and realize, oh, I'm in a spot where I can't just pull over. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of emergencies where I pulled over and just peed. A couple out of the maybe a million miles I've driven in the last 30 years. So, here's one that happens frequently. I have to pee. And I realize, oh, I can totally hold it for 15 minutes to get to that place or this place or my office or home or something. But when I'm in proximity... Mm. It's unbearable. It's unbearable. And yeah. guess what? That can be disrupted. How? Because I've, I've almost rear-ended somebody, and then I didn't have to pee for half an hour. So <laughs> what the hell is... like? I have to pee so bad, I'm about to wet my pants, and then, ah, oh, it scares the crap out of me. Don't have to pee for a long right. time. Weird. What is that? Uh, adrenaline, I guess. But And also, I don't know. If, you want to hear how pathetic I am? Like, I play these little games. I'm sure everyone sort of does this, but we don't want to admit it. I don't even want to admit it now that I started it. Do you ever... Yes. <laughs> you play like like 
like sort of like I hope okay if the light turns green then then I'm gonna get that uh, that package today like like I'm constantly giving myself but like, do, do you do stuff like that or do you do like if I don't get under the overpass before the light changes something bad's gonna happen to someone I love or me because I'm almost like a bad <laughs> bad email chain letter to myself <laughs> if you don't pass this on your mother's gonna die like that kind of shit. I here's the one I do more more often than not. And it's just in my head. It's a little fantasy, but I go if I could have anything, I would like to have this power to pee for 10 seconds. But not really pee, just alleviate 10 seconds worth of peeing so I could be at a concert and I have to pee really bad and I could just go, "Okay, there's 10 seconds of relief." As if I repeat, like when I'm peeing, I time it. I'll go 10 seconds. That's enough to get me another half an hour through the concert. That's like putting a dollar of gas in your car. Yes, yes. It's ridiculous. I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I do it often. Wait, and you think about it or you actually When pee I'm peeing, for 10 I'll seconds. count to 10 and I'll go like, okay, that will, if I could just buy 10 seconds. Like if I could have Wait, some Wait, do you sort not of, relieve your whole bladder? Yeah, I do. Okay. But in my head, I'm going, I wish I had this gift, this yeah. super, supernatural gift where I could just have 10 or 15 seconds right. of bladder relief at maybe twice a day. I get two a day. I get to cash them in. This is also, I came up with this idea when I was doing cocaine one night and I haven't done cocaine a lot. This was a guy gave me an eight ball like Why? as a gift. People, you wouldn't believe the stuff people give me. Like you wouldn't, I have a whip in my car. Some guy made, took him a month to make it. It's awesome. These are people who know you and you're as yeah. at the improv? This is a long time ago. I used to okay. comp this guy into shows and he goes, what do you oh. want? And I went, mushrooms to be funny. And uh, the next day he called me and said, I couldn't get any mushrooms, but I got you some cocaine and it's in seat 134 at the Irvine Improv. And I went to I went to the club that day Jeez. and I reached behind seat 134 and there was an eight ball and he used to leave me pot. And then the staff realized he was leaving me pot and I don't smoke pot. So people would be following me around uh-huh. to, and I would just give it to the staff. And then that became weird. So I told him, stop leaving pot. <laughs> and and keep in mind, in my life, I've done cocaine like eight times. Okay. So I stared at it for a month or two, and then I started doing it. And I couldn't stop. And I did the whole thing. And then I came up with this ingenious idea. In like one. High on cocaine. One I did night? it like 20 hours. It's only three and a half grams. Were but you doing it by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By myself, drinking Jack Daniels and taking Sudafed because my nose was running like crazy. And I thought I was a genius. I'm like, <laughs> these letters are fucking brilliant. I'm a genius. Clearly, I wrote a letter to somebody that I haven't talked to and we're clearly going to be friends after this because look at this letter mm-hmm. and I'm like right this is before the internet and I'm writing or before I had the internet and it was I'm writing stuff down like the, the David Letterman said I'm like I have perfectly reviewed this David Letterman episode for no reason this is brilliant somebody is going to want to read this mm-hmm. uh, so of course I was very mistaken there but I came up with this, this idea I went I know how I got to get a handle on this cocaine problem that I just developed tonight <laughs> So I'm going to build a safe that will only dispense a certain amount every day. Ah. So I fill it up like once a month and it will only give me a certain amount. And to, in my head, I was like, I got it under control. You should sell that to all the addicts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Is that worse than being a drug dealer taking advantage of their addiction? Well, it's the same as being a drug dealer, kind of. No, actually, because you're not providing them drugs. Yeah, you're just providing them. But I'm scamming the them. It's like the home shopping network, or yeah, something. of controlling. Or I'm like a religious guy that heals you by pushing on your forehead. Okay. Uh, Sooner Magic says, when someone says they do something religiously, I picture them doing it while wearing a yarmulke or with rosary beads in hand. I don't, not that one specifically, but I have stuff like that. That's kind of funny, though. I think it's cute. 
And then Amy says, and this is the last one, can't handle it if my blanket is upside down. The pattern must be on the top. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm i very anal about the bed and the sheets and all of that stuff. Like I can, my thing is I like the blanket and the, the top of the blanket and the top of the sheet and the comforter to all come up to the same level. I do not like if like the sheets higher, if there's just different levels and different weights happening, that'll make it so I can't sleep and I get in bed and I'm like... I feel like I want to hug you because I'm absolutely, (laughs) and I will get up out of bed and straighten them so they're even. I actually, okay. So my husband was like, you did the sweetest thing last night. You covered me, but I was so hot. And I I didn't want to tell him like, I I wasn't covering you. I was remaking the bed with you in it because the blanket was way too much on my side. I'm very thoughtful. (laughs) Uh, I'm with you on that. And and that that follows through on everything. You know, my shoelaces need to be the same tension of of tightness, but sleeping is the worst. Mm. Because if I don't, there's a window to fall asleep. And if I don't fall, get into that window, I'm screwed. Because if I roll over, I start to imagine there's too much pressure on my shoulder and this is unnatural and I have to put something underneath here. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. I don't, I'm a very light sleeper and I'm generally tired all the time. You? Do you nap? No. Have you I, tried it? I mean, in my life, yes, but not on a regular basis. But I always around, I don't know what time it is, like midday, I'm always like, I bet if I got on the bed, I would fall asleep right now. But then I don't do it. You should try it. Okay. I did it accidentally probably seven years ago. It's like meditation and it's like I should do it, but I don't. I I got home from Disneyland and I was really tired and I went, I'm just going to lay down for a minute. And it never occurred to me to take a nap. Never occurred to me. Mm -hmm. Which is part of the problem also is that I'm very forgetful. Um. For example, I'm sorry to sidetrack it. I did, this just okay. occurred to me also, and I've said this before, but I every time I have a root beer float, I'm like, what the f- – this is so good. How do I forget about this every other day? Mm-hmm. Like I forgot about root beer floats for honestly five years, and then I was like, <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever had. How do I not g- g- wake up and go root beer float? Right. It's so good. Okay, so I went home, crawled in bed, fell asleep for like an hour, and I woke up and I was like, that was amazing. I just slept in the middle of the day. And it was the best. You got fully into bed? Yeah. Maybe that's my problem. When I nap, I do it on top of the bed. I need to like commit to getting in yeah, the bed. Yeah, Well, But do you, when you come home, do you just take off all your clothes? Mm, pretty much. Because I do too. Like yeah. I, I come home and I'm in my underwear in like two minutes and I work in my underwear and everything. Oh, I'm, I'm pajamas or yeah. sweatpants. That's good though too. Yeah. Do you ever wear your pajamas out in public? It's cute on girls. No, but I really am pushing it. Like I will, <laughs> um, the the line of how far I will go is get it keeps getting pushed out a little further. So, cut to European trip. You're just like I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, like I will answer the door in my pajamas and I'll check them. I think I've I've checked the mail, which is downstairs. What kind so. of pajamas do you wear? Um, they are white and they have little like flowers top, on them. Separate bottom. Yeah. Well, I, I actually just wear a t-shirt usually with the pajama bottoms, but then sometimes I'll pull on the pajama top if I need sort of like a little jacket if I'm a little cold. The, uh, you know what you would probably like that I have that I love? Hmm. A bed warmer. What is that? It goes underneath the sheets and it's got I've two heard separate about controls that. and it's... We have a, a, a electric blanket. Yeah. It's the same, but it's underneath. Is it better? I don't know. I haven't used an electric blanket, but I, I love when it's chilly out and I come home and it's got a preheat button that turns it up full blast for mm. 30 minutes and it's not hot. Oh, no, that's not true because I've woken up drenched in sweat a couple of times and I'm sleeping <laughs> this out of the bed, but it's it's fantastic to have a warm bed. Yes, I'm with you on that one. 
but especially the, now that it's finally finally getting a little bit colder yeah, i'm not thrilled with that but oh really i don't like uh, rain water weather clouds oh wind my well, stomach's growling this, uh, is, this is where we uh aren't the same i don't like sun and heat I don't. I don't like going in the sun because I'm afraid of it. But I like the warmth, and it's a, it gives me a positive. It makes me feel happy when I walk outside, and it's a clear, blue, beautiful day. My I'm, favorite time of the okay. day by far is sunset when it's hot out. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. I love being outside. Too bad I forget, and I'm usually sitting in front of my computer, and I miss it. And then I'm. Yeah. You should go myself. out and have a root beer float, and yeah. then meditate. I should, Allison. You should do these things. Okay, I had something else to say about sleeping. It was seemed important at the time. What doesn't seem important at the time? Decent point. Yeah, well, yeah. if it comes here, no, I'm going to say some deal. stuff. Maybe it'll come to you. It's not. It's probably not that important. All well, right. What's important? This podcast. This it is time. Important. This is important. Do you, do you do you get a sense of which you should, by the way, a sense of joy that people that you are enhancing people's lives? Yes, because you are. Yes, when it, I, I get a lot of really nice emails and comments from people saying that things that I said made them feel less alone or that they thought certain things, and especially because I've been very open about um, trying to get pregnant and yeah. doing fertility yeah. and all that stuff, which a lot of women don't talk about. No. It. Like, it's crazy how many women... We're all embarrassed about being human and yes. about the, the reality of the situation. We're all... It's it's so bizarre that we're all trying to put up a front like, oh, I'm, I don't have that problem. I, I You know, everyone... Right. It's so amazing. But people love... People bond and people people like it when you're... Yeah. I they, like it when people are normal. Right. Yeah. It makes you feel like those are a freak. So I get a lot of really nice stuff from people saying that how much it, it made them feel better to hear me talk about going through it. Um, and that makes me feel good because I think that every now and then I'll wonder, sh- am I making a mistake by being this open about whatever? And then it always just, you know, reaffirms that I'm not. I don't think you are because at, at the very least you're going to get compassion and love from people. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think you are. And And part of the cool thing about the podcast medium, which is also bites it in the ass, sort of, is it gives you the freedom to be completely honest. Now... Sometimes I don't care about people's honesty because I'm like, all right. But then I'm being a hypocrite. But but you you know mm-hmm. you don't really want to expose everything. But there's some stuff that's just human and totally people relate to it. Yeah. And and you're going through it and it's tough and life's hard and you need other people and 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 why not share that because it's not a dirt. This isn't the 50s where everything's a little secret. Right. Oh, I my totally husband's agree. an alcoholic and I'm this and I'm that and I, we're going to act like everything's fine and then our kids are going to be psychopaths. Yeah. I totally agree. Mike Carano, it was delightful having you on Thank the show. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry if I talked too much and, you and it was not all over the map. T- no, no, you were great. Um, you guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, perhaps some cleanser like Mike talked about before, or plenty of other things, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you guys so much for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of my website, alisonrosen.com. Also, t-shirts. Go to the website. Click on the picture of a t-shirt. It'll take you to the site where you can buy a shirt. Um, we have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also... 
And you can get these by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself or Touch the Tushy on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Also, they and other stuff um, is available on gumroad.com if you're not an iTunes person. That's G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Allison Rosen. Gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, bonus episodes available in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. And you can email us show at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox and check out my podcast, Barracuda Radio, where finer podcasts are found. Excellent. The whole word, Colonel? C O L? Yep, C O L O N E L. What's the origin of that? Uh, Larry Miller used that as my nickname when I was working over at. Uh, because he calls me the same. No, just <laughs> you're like, change my Twitter account now. He calls me general. Oh, so you outrank me then. I defer to your judgment. <laughs> and I love Larry Miller. Mike Carano, me too. Uh, where should we go to find you and plug anything that you'd like Hot, to Hot, sexy 17 year old surfer girl at Twitter. <laughs> uh, Mike Carano, I, I don't know. What? What? I'm sorry. What was the question? It was. I, got, I heard it, but I. It, didn't it was uh, let people know where to find you and. Oh, feel miscellaneous free. adventures from the world of Microno is my podcast. I also do the after session, but you can find all the stuff on microno.com if you want. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope this wasn't. This was great. Unsettling. This was great. Thank you so much, listeners. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? Rosen is your new best friend.